All right. Well, with that, let's uh, we had one other topic we were going to try and touch on the uh, you know, it's always I've always thought of Republicans as being, you know, I remember hearing that there was something called the Republican in Illinois. But at, at a time, it was very, especially in recent years, it's hard to find one uh, a Republican. And uh, at one time, they were pretty strong in Illinois. This is Absolutely. Abe Lincoln, the Republican president. Can you believe that at one time they elected a man, sheriff of Cook County, and then elected him president of the county board, the Cook County board, and then elected him governor? It's incredible. It's, it's almost it's very, very difficult to believe that ever happened. His name was Richard Oglesby. Richard, Richard Oglesby, right. Center, downtown named after him. And they had several. I think that was the high watermark of the Republican Party throughout the state of Illinois. And they had some pretty big Republicans in the state who had influence. I'm not talking about Rauner, who was a Republican, but he had no influence. I'm talking about Jim Edgar, um, even George Ryan at some point, and then even before them. And um, I remember when the Republicans had control of the uh, Pate Phillip and uh, the other guy in the House. uh, his, mind, his name escapes me. Yeah, his name escapes me, but I know who you're talking about. Yeah, and uh, they used to control the legislature when Mike Madigan was just rising up back then. But Madigan got a boost. I was doing some research before this, and I was going back to the 1980s when a, the, this political activist in his 30s by the name of Pat Quinn, uh, he created an organization called the Coalition for Political Honesty. Um, Great and he, name, wasn't it? Great yeah. name. Yes, it was. Who could oppose that organization? And he uh, came and he got upset because the legislature in Springfield decided to give its members a pay hike at the time. And, you know, there are a lot of people in the 1980s who were looking at a lot of inflation. I think the uh, interest rate on mortgages were like 12, 14 percent. I don't know if you remember those. Years yeah, after were, Jimmy Carter was president. Yes, after Ron was, came in, though he got all that stuff knocked down. It took a while to yeah, knock it down, but I do remember having a fourteen percent interest mortgage rate at one time in the early eighties. And so, what he did was he targeted the legislature, which had one hundred and seventy-seven members, uh, and he wanted it cut down to one hundred and eighteen because the system allowed voters to uh, vote cast one cast three votes for three different people uh, to cast one and a half votes for each for two different people or do what was called, I think, the bullet vote, right? Where you cast all three votes for one person. Correct. And what that did was it allowed uh, minority parties in Chicago for the Republicans to have a legislature, legislator elected in a Chicago district and a Democrat elected downstate in a Republican district. It ensured like some accountability. I thought it was a great system. Um, And he destroyed that. You know, I don't think Pat Quinn ever got uh, reprimanded for the damage that he did to accountability in politics. And he he said that uh, by getting rid of the uh, the three legislature legislators out of a district, we would reduce the cost of government significantly. And it didn't happen. No, it didn't happen at all. In fact, it went up shortly after that. Even yes. though we came down to where you had one state representative elected out of each district, whereas before you used to have three elected out of the state Senate district, and they were two, two to one Democrat or Republican. Yeah. So if I was a Republican living in a legislative district, 
I could have the power of three voters by right. casting my three votes for one Republican, guaranteeing that there would be a Republican in my legislative district. And to me, when I look back at that and what happened to it, it really changed the balance. And I think contributed unintentionally. I don't think that was Pat Quinn's goal. Um, he was trying to build himself up in his name recognition, which he did do with that. But I think the goal was really to uh, uh, reduce the power of politicians, but it shifted power. And the Democratic Party really, I mean, Mike Madigan came out of that with a very strong base um, and eventually built up this dynasty in which he really, you know, ran the legislature. Very smart guy. You know, I like him. I know there are a lot of people that don't like him, but I think he did a lot of good for the state of Illinois. And I don't blame every problem the state has on him. I think both parties were involved with it. But well, there, uh, as you know, Ray, uh, he and I are personal friends and have been for a long time. We were also political allies uh, when I was still in Democratic uh, politics. Uh, and I think very, very highly of him. I never met a harder worker or a more, more honest guy in politics in Illinois than Mike Madigan. By the same token, what Pat Quinn did, did enable Mike Madigan to become almost a czar yeah. in Illinois because he had such great control over the legislature uh, for a long, long period of time. Now, I think he did a lot of good. Some things that happen, it happens. It's probably not the best in the world. Well, he and did in a lot of good. And in all fairness to Mike Madigan, I would say that uh, what Pat Quinn did gave both parties the same opportunity to do the same things. Mike Madigan was much smarter and right. quicker in taking advantage of that new situation and building a strong Democratic base. The Republicans could have done it. I know Pate Phillip tried to do it, you know, when he was running the party, the Republican Party in the state of Illinois. They did it for a short period of time, but Nobody ever was as uh, smart as uh, Mike Madigan in terms of when it came to politics and legislation. But it did tilt in one direction. And I think we saw the demise, the erosion of the Republican Party in Illinois um, going downhill over the years um, in Cook County. We're, I was just looking. Well, let's go to the presidential. We were looking at the presidential election uh, results in uh, Illinois. Uh, from 1976 until just recently, you know, the one thing that stands out is the Democratic vote just continues to grow every presidential election. Um, it, the only time it was very strongly Republican in, in real terms in Illinois was when R Ronald Reagan was running for president and won those two years in uh, uh, 1980 and 1984. But after that, you can see the climb of the Democratic vote in Illinois. Illinois is, a, they call it a blue state for a reason. Well, George Bush I uh, did carry uh, Illinois by 50.7% uh, of the vote. But he was really the last uh, Republican to carry the state of Illinois. And, uh, you know, there were many governors that were Republicans. Uh, as you say, they Afterwards. controlled the legislature at one time. Uh, but... Uh, but those were, weren't those Republicans, though, that supported, uh, there were Reagan Democrats. I mean, Bush Sr. had Ronald Reagan's endorsement. Yes. You oh, know, yeah. and so, yeah, I would expect Bush Sr. to carry that, that. But that was the last Republican era where they had a significant vote. But, but you're absolutely right. There have been a number of 
um, moderate Republicans. I always felt Jim Edgar was a good Republican governor for the state of Illinois, smart. Um, I don't know if I'd call him a Reagan Democrat, but he was somebody that a lot of Reagan Democrats could vote for. Oh, yes, I agree with that very definitely. He was a smart guy. He was a good governor. Yeah. Uh, he, uh, you know, uh, Jim Thompson was the other one. You, <laughs> governor for life, Jim Thompson. Yes. Yeah, mm -hmm. he was. And, you know, he was a smart guy, too. I mean, he, you know, part of the reason, of course, you know, Bush Sr. beat Dukakis, you know, the candidate. I just nobody could get over the fact that in his campaign, he was standing on a tank, I think. And I think that tubed his candidacy. You know, it really hurt him far more than uh, that people will give that credit. But. Also, uh, you know, they said that he was from uh, Massachusetts because right. uh, Massachusetts had such high taxes when he was governor over there. So he was from you know, the state of Massachusetts. Another thing that hurt him very severely was when he was asked, what would he do if his wife was raped by a man? Do you recall that? Yes, I remember the question. I don't recall all the answers. Well, he didn't really have an answer to it. You know, instead yeah. of being, uh, you know, very upset and coming out very strongly about what he would do uh, to the individual that did that, he was sort of rather philosophical about the whole thing. And I think that hurt him enormously. Yeah, that, that, that did a number on him. But, you know, what's interesting is that uh, Trump uh, beat Hillary. Uh, or I should say Trump only got Hillary carried Illinois with 58, 55.8% of the vote. Trump only got 38.8%. But he actually, Trump did better in the following election with Biden. He actually got 40.6% of the vote um, to uh, Biden, who got 57.5%. So was it's, it's, when, you, when you showed me those figures, I didn't realize that Trump's percentage had gone up the second time around. Yeah, it was uh, it was pretty strong. And of course, he didn't carry the state still, but um, and he lost the election. His supporters don't believe it. They believe it was stolen. Now, right. I believe that. Listen, votes are stolen all the time. Was there enough stolen to change the election? Ten million votes. I don't believe that. And no, I run into not. I run into these uh, far right extremists on social media that say, what are you talking about? The election was stolen. There's nothing to discuss here. And I have to shake my head and, I, and say, you know, if you fixate on uh, the stolen election, you're going to miss the bigger picture about issues that are dying or surviving that you may or may not like. But the other side locally, um, you know, there are only two Republicans on the Cook County board and Pete Silvestri said he's going to retire. So yes. there's really only one Republican and he's weak, Sean Morrison beat uh, an unknown challenger almost four years ago by only 1,377 votes in the last election out of, I think, 120-some thousand votes. Uh, that shows how weak the Republican Party is. There hasn't been a, a strong leader to revive the Republican Party at all, has there? No, not for a long, long time. I mean, they haven't really had anything going in the city of Chicago since uh, probably before Richard J. Daley was mayor. Uh, Cook County, though, they were very strong in uh, for many, many years. But about 20 years ago, that started uh, changing. A lot of the minorities out of the city of Chicago started moving into right. suburban Cook County and started to build up the Democratic vote. The Republican Party also was losing uh, a lot of women 
in suburban Cook County uh, for one reason or another. And unless they can get uh, some kind of inroads into minorities, the Republicans, and unless they can win back the women that once were Republicans, uh, I don't see how they accomplish much whatsoever as far as uh, getting to be a, a strong party once again in Illinois. I remember when there were, I think, eight Republicans on the Cook County board. Uh, when I, I shifted over there to cover it that one year, there were a lot of Republicans on that board. And, and I think the Republicans have done a poor job of addressing the issues. We, we've seen the Republican Party shift to the far right with the Tea Party, with some of these crazy ideas. Even today, when you look at the Republican Party, um, the leadership, it's a small group of extremists that I think are screaming about face masks and vaccinations and some of these issues that there are bigger issues that are so much more important. Senior Absolutely. citizens, taxes. I, bl I, I blame many Republicans for not standing up to this right wing extremist, uh, you know, entity in the Republican Party. It's a relatively small group of people, but they are awfully loud. And yes. unfortunately, the rest of the Republicans are sort of just uh, ignoring them, don't want to say anything negative about them. They're I'm lost. hoping that for the benefit of the Republican Party, that will change after the primary elections. After yeah. they, well, I think right now they're afraid to uh, get involved against those right-wingers because they don't want to lose their vote in the primary elections. But hopefully the Republican Party will assert itself and once again become the party of Abraham Lincoln and Ronald Reagan. Yeah, and I, in my column actually this week in the Southwest uh, News newspaper group, and by the way, Bill Lipinski writes a column in the Southwest News newspaper group um, uh, called Right from the Middle. Um, and you had a column this week. And uh, in my column this week, I was actually talking about that Cook County race, that if the Republicans, they're either going to uh, become extinct in this election in Cook County or they're going to salvage themselves. And in order to salvage themselves, they need to find a Reagan Democrat, a, a conservative, uh, a Republican Who's, who's conservative, but not extremist. No, common, and I, sense. common sense, somebody who can work, you know, push the Republican Party, but still work with Democrats. And I, yeah. to me, that I think is Liz Gorman. She was always a centrist Republican um, who worked with Democrats to stop. Her big thing was she stopped the Stroger sales tax when Todd Stroger introduced it and convinced seven Democrats to reverse their vote to support her campaign to stop it. That's what Republicans need, don't they, to survive? Otherwise, they're all like Sean. Sean was a good guy. Sean Morrison was a decent guy, but he sold, he sold his assets to the far right. And it's like he's embraced this Trump far right Republican uh, ideology that I think is just going to tank them even further in Illinois in this next well, election. I, I certainly agree with you. I think the worst thing about Donald Trump in my mind is that many of the issues that he championed, I agree with totally and completely. Yes. Unfortunately, because of his personality, he has set those issues back 15, 20 years before we'll ever be able to implement them. And perhaps in some cases, we'll never be able to implement them because of Donald Trump and his horrendous personality. And his most strident supporters, the ones that are farthest to the, to the conservative uh, right, um, instead of focusing on the issues that he had that were good, 
that might right. appeal to a lot of people. They focus on the worst aspects of his election. The election was stolen. They, they're just focused on that. That's not how they're going to win. And you can't talk to them because if you try to explain, yeah, Trump had some good ideas, focus on those good ideas, resell them to the American people. They might sell, but they're not doing it. And you're right. The, the moderate Republicans have been bullied into silence, I think, Absolutely. by these extremists. Even the January 6th um, violence that we saw, uh, when I talk to Republicans, very few of them will say that I don't, I don't believe it was an insurrection. An insurrection means it was organized, coordinated, like a military you know, attack. I, I agree with you. But mm -hmm. I think that the people that cross the line into violence, nobody should be defending them. They no. should pay the price for what they did, destroying the, the property, injuring people. Five people, I think, were killed. Anybody who crossed the line from protest to violence, even if they were the biggest Trump supporters, they should be prosecuted and we should not be defending them. But no, they're defending that group. And I think that's their big mistake. Now, they're going to hate me for saying it, but I don't care. Get in line, to, folks. You have to speak the truth. Not just speak the truth. You, gotta, you have to say the common sense. I mean, it's common sense to believe that. And, and, and even when common sense makes you feel uncomfortable, you still got to stand by it because in the long run, it does you a lot of good. You know, Bill, we, uh, I think we kind of, uh, we really grabbed two big issues and we really went through them, I, I think, a lot. And yes, I, I think I we had any final thoughts on any of this stuff? All I want to say to you, Raymond, that uh, my Betsy Ross flag is flying high. My tricorner hat is off. My trusty old colonial musket is raised in salute to you, Ray Hanania, a fellow American. And Vietnam era veteran. Oh, very, so am I. I That's never got true. to Vietnam though. Yeah, you know, I didn't want to go to Vietnam. I didn't want to go into service. I did, and I think it was the best thing I did. It smartened me up. I got a great education off of the GI Bill. I became somebody that I never would have uh, imagined that I could have done in journalism. So I think the best thing I did was to get into the military. Um, and uh, I know a lot of people who don't like me when I, we get into an argument, I ask them, hey, by the way, did you serve in the military and defend our country? And the answer is no. And it zips them up real quick. <laughs> All right, Bill, listen, thank you again. And uh, um, uh, this is very enjoyable. I'm Ray Anania. I'm Bill Lipinski. And this has been Two Guys on Politics. We'll talk to you, everybody, next week. Bye-bye.